Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? All right, today my guest is Lisa K. Cooper, grief transition specialist inspirational speaker and author of You're My Voice, How Love's Voice Never Dies. Right. Well, thank you. Thank Christy, you so much. I'm so honored to be a part of this group and a part of this program. And when Christy asked me to radiate hope, I just felt in my heart that I couldn't wait to be here. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we are indeed radiating hope. Um, because when we lose a loved one, and this is really the crux of your book, yeah. it seems that everything is so dark. Right, it right. It seems it's really hard to even wake up and continue our day. Right, right. But there is hope at the end. There is hope. And really, my mission is mm-hmm. to help people discover how love never dies. Right. And when I, um, really, I never intended to write a book. Really? Um, my background was in marketing and advertising. And honestly, if somebody would have said to me, 20 or, gosh, even 30 years ago, you're going to be writing a book someday, I'd be like, well, hmm, would it be about an advertising uh, recommendation or or a marketing plan? But specifically, after my mother passed away, actually October 2nd of 2011. Now, today we are filming. Yeah, we're filming on October 2nd. That's just how it worked out, and it just seemed divinely orchestrated. Absolutely, absolutely. The power of numbers and dates is very important. I think so. Um, But after my mother passed away in 2011, I, although I began a grief journey, that is also when my journey of hope began. Mm -hmm. Because as she was dying, she saw my deceased grandmother in the hospital hospital room. And so at that point, I knew that she was not alone on her journey. Mm -hmm. And it was truly um, such an eye-opening and spirit, heart-opening, awakening experience for me that I knew I needed to write about it. So after my mother passed away on October 2nd, I began really just writing down some of the unusual occurrences that happened. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned before my background in advertising and marketing, I think that in corporate America and in our lives at work, so often we're in a left brain logical mindset, mm-hmm. as you know. Yeah, absolutely. And and our right brain is much more the creative, emotive, um, I could even say open-hearted side of ourselves. And really, when my mother made her transition, it was a transformation for me, mm-hmm. a transformation from left brain to right brain. Because it was at that point that, uh, including the deathbed visit with my grandmother, mm-hmm. but within in about two weeks, 
I was having um, a significant number of dreams where my mother was coming to me and telling me things about how she was healed um, and how she was still in my life and how our love had never died. So again, it was really a transformation from left brain to right brain so that I could learn my, for myself mm-hmm. how to make that transition from grief to hope. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, because that must have been quite a shock when your mother died. She wasn't really... Well, she she was only 78, you know, and not particularly that old, but actually had um, an adverse reaction to some surgery um, and then actually passed away about three weeks after that. So Mm -hmm. it it wasn't a uh, long ordeal of sickness or anything like that. It was rather abrupt. Um, but what I started doing was just writing down the unusual occurrences that started mm-hmm. happening. So because of my kind of rigid marketing background, mm-hmm. I began to make outlines because that was the only way I could make mm-hmm. sense of everything that was going on. So I made these outlines of dreams. And specifically, as I looked back on these outlines, they started out as dream visits where she would let me know that she was healed. She would let me know she was walking. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just one in particular, um, way back when, and I want to say 1995-ish, my mother and I had gone to Sedona, Arizona for Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. And we had had a wonderful trip, and it was probably one of the best times we've had as as an adult daughter, you know, with your mother. And so one of the first dreams I had after she passed away was we were walking in Sedona. And if you've been there, you know, the red rocks and the beautiful blue sky. I mean, it's so vibrant. And we were walking down this road together and she put her hands out. And she said to me, look, Lisa, she says, my hands are healed. I'm walking. I'm, I'm out of pain. And I'm always with you. So those were kind of the beginning of these dreams that I called them the healing dreams. And then a whole nother set of dreams began where I call them the advising dreams. And I think from a spiritual perspective, she must have known that I knew something was going on, uh, that I knew she was healed. And now she was giving me some advice on things. So, for example, my father and I were working on the sale of their home about a year after she passed. And she came to me in a dream and discussed the painter and what was happening logistics-wise with the house and even gave me specific dates. So it was those kinds of experiences that I knew I had to write down because I had so much hope and I had so much peace about death that I knew I needed to share it with other people. Mm-hmm. And when I tell people um, about my experiences, you know, I, as a background, as a, a mom and a Uh, corporate manager, that kind of thing, but as a normal person being able to receive so much information from a loved one. And I think that that's what helps people also find hope on their own journey. Right. And then um, after the advising dreams were over, if you will, a whole other series of dreams began where I called them the life lessons. And those were where she specifically described what it was like to leave her body, um, how the her essence, she called it, was always around as long as we ask, as you know, and that um, death is a part of life. Mm-hmm. And that was her verbatim um, message to me in a dream. Death is a part of life. So as these continued to unfold, I just kept writing them down and writing them down and and not really with the intention of writing a book at first, but maybe with the intention of perhaps giving it to my daughter someday mm-hmm. so that she'd know that, you know, I will always be around. <laughs> right. But um, so I continued to write these down. And then at the same time was having all these signs occur. That's right. You know, as unusual things, whether it was, um, we used to joke that my mother's favorite song was Celebration by Cool and the Gang. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I'll be in the most 
unusual circumstance and cool and the gang will come on and and kind of on a um unusual event for example that they wouldn't be playing a 1980 something cool and the gang type music venue so that's i think our loved ones can reach us with songs and feathers and signs and numbers and and as you know uh, aside from dreams just so many things that can occur so i just continue to write them down and with the intention of giving people hope Mm-hmm. that love can never die. Absolutely. Well, and Lisa and I teach a class together. Uh, we team teach Love Never Dies, mm-hmm. which is a workshop to teach people how spirit communication works, how our loved ones do communicate with us, and how we can com- communicate with them. You've broken it down into some steps as well. Right, Would right. Would you like to go Absolutely, into those? sure. Um, I think because of my background in advertising, I developed this acronym, if you will, right. for dreams Absolutely. and signs. You know, and how how to help people open their hearts to the language of spirit. Mm -hmm. So for dreams, I always say D stands for decide to receive. You know, we have to decide that we have the ability to receive a dream visit from our loved one. And then R, I say relax and restore. And this is a hard one because, you know, we're going through our lives at such fast pace. And I feel like we're always connected via phones or, you know, your iPad or your laptops, whatever the case may be. But we have to slow down and relax our spirit to receive signs and dreams from our loved ones. And then I say E. Expect, expect a miracle. Mm-hmm. And miracles don't have to be walking on water. They can simply be a change of heart. Mm-hmm. So we want to expect that we will receive a sign or a dream. And then A, ask for angelic support because we're always supported. We're never alone, but we do have to ask. And M, the most simple, make notes. <laughs> you know, I had a, um, a nightstand next to my bed and I would basically make these notes when I would wake up in the morning so that I would absolutely make sure that I wasn't going to forget um, any component of the dream. And even though when you have the dream visits, you know they're a dream visit because you feel love in your heart and it's not a fearful situation mm-hmm. and and you know that you truly have had a visit from your loved one. But I And I haven't forgotten those dreams to this day, but it helped to write them down. So that's great. D-R-E-A-M mm-hmm. was very helpful for me. And that's what I tell people in workshops and also working one-on-one is these are some of the practical tips to learn how to open their hearts to spirit. And then with signs, um, one of the things I tried to do when I wrote the book is I didn't want to do a lot of research on deathbed visits or uh, signs or after-death communication Mm -hmm. until I really was finished writing. Um, But I began to understand that signs are our loved ones, our deceased loved ones, manipulating energy to let us know that they're okay. So, for example, with signs, I mentioned songs. Um, you know, even a message on my laptop computer one night. Yeah. Again, they can, if it's energy, right. it can be manipulated. Absolutely. Electrical outages, as you know, or electrical weird things happening. So signs are our loved ones manipulating energy to mm-hmm. let us know that we're okay. And then my acronym for signs is Sense Your Senses. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I would smell my mother's perfume, my grandfather's cigar, um, you know, whatever. You can come with all of the senses. Yes, Absolutely. all the senses. Mm-hmm. And then ignore your ego because mm-hmm. so many times we want to doubt ourselves and say, oh, that's just my imagination or wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. So ignore your ego. And then I say G for go within yeah. because we have to take the time to go within. All our answers are within. And if we can only take the time to to really listen to our heart, 
and not our mind, whether it's left brain, right brain, heart, mind, whatever the case may be, if we can take some time to listen, those are where the answers are too, and, and confirming some signs. Mm -hmm. And then I say within is notice nature. I think for walking, uh, whether you know, you've had your sign license plates experiences right. as well, and those are so many times the universe giving us a just a sign, an actual sign to give us some guidance. Absolutely. So noticing nature when you're out walking, when you're hiking, whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah. So, so many people know what their signs are, but we just do have to be open to it. Mm -hmm. So people might know that, oh, when I see ladybugs, yes. that's my mom. When I see cardinals, that's my dad. But we do have to notice because these signs can come anywhere. Absolutely, absolutely. And they're around us all the time. All the time. And if we can just um, raise our awareness and open our hearts, we will know that they indeed are a sign from our loved ones. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that your book has really encapsulated your whole experience. And I love how you break it down in advertising terms, <laughs> yeah. acronym terms. Very easy to remember, very easy to follow Thank when you. someone is very, um, you know, in the depths of their grief. They mm -hmm. need something that they can hang tangible. on to and follow. Absolutely. Something tangible. And I know that what you do and your message really helps people. Thank uh, you. Mm -hmm. And so how do you, how would you go about working with someone? I know you work with clients to help them move from this grief to hope. Mm -hmm. So, well, in the workshops, you, mm -hmm. you know, um, the workshops, whether it's the workshops that Christy and I are doing mm -hmm. or some separate workshops that I do, I often talk to groups of grievers, um, whether it's a um, church organization or a grief support group, that kind of thing. Right. Um, because grievers are the ones, obviously, that need to hear the hope. And sometimes their own, their own journey could last years, as you know, Absolutely. or some... Um, they want to hear the message pretty quickly after their loved ones passes. So really it's, it's wherever they are on their journey. I meet them and honor their grief. Right. I also do some one-on-ones mm -hmm. where people, um, maybe they don't feel comfortable sharing in a group workshop about their personal experiences with their family member or their loved one. Right. So we often do one-on-ones where I listen to them and we talk about signs and dreams and, and like, for example, just a, a random story, this one woman, she was very uncomfortable sharing about her son's passing and we were uh, talking and she said, you know, uh, she showed me her phone and she said, my phone has been blinking May 10 now for about 60 days. And she wow. said that was the day her son passed. And she thought she was going crazy because she said, am I losing my mind that my phone is blinking this day? And so really hearing people on their journey with signs and dreams right. validates their experiences to let them know they're not going crazy and to let them know this is completely normal mm -hmm. and that really it's um, we need to believe that they indeed are with us still. There's absolutely, absolutely no doubt. No, so, I know that's very helpful for people because when mm -hmm. you're in that depth, you just can't really even see the next moment sometimes right. the next day. And right. so you um, right. need to know that, have that validation. We're not crazy. You're not losing your mind. Right. There is hope. There is hope. Yeah. One day you will feel better. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And just hearing from our loved ones does offer some validation as well. We The number one question that people want to know is, is my loved one okay? Yeah. And that really is the most often heard message from our loved ones once they cross over is, I want you to know that I'm okay. I'm good. Right. I'm happy. Right. I'm well. I'm well. 
Yes. Yeah, that's big. I know in my personal experiences with my mom and dad, they always look like they're in their 30s yes. or early 40s. And, and I think that was a height of their life in terms of health and mm-hmm. happiness and fun. And, and so when I'll have a dream, um, so often uh, they look just so vibrant and young and not 80-ish. You know? No, and not sick and not yeah. on their deathbed. I know. <clears throat> right. I know many people also have uh, PTSD from experiencing their loved one's mm-hmm. death in that way or lingering or have visions of how their 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 loved ones had looked before death. And so seeing them mm-hmm. afterward looking vibrant and young. young and youthful and fun is really, truly healing. Yeah. And we just all need to realize that we we don't have to be a medium. Right. Right? We don't need any special skill to be able to have a visitation, to have a sign, mm-hmm. right? To hear mm-hmm. a message from our loved ones. This is so accessible, and that's what I love about the message of your book is that Thanks. you tell people that they can do this too. They can mm-hmm. receive messages from their loved ones. And I know when we teach this class that we often have stories, yeah. and people love to share their stories. And I've not met anybody who's not had a story right. like that. And I think that that's one of the biggest things for grievers yeah. is to, one of the best thing they can do to support each other mm-hmm. and maintain their faith about the fact that they, yes, indeed, their loved one is still around, but also to share their stories. Absolutely. Because the storytelling and the sharing, that is so important on someone's healing journey. It is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's an important job of what you're, of what you're doing. And, and don't you think today in our culture and in our society, people are so uncomfortable talking about death. They don't know what to say. Let's say, for example, if you're, whether it's coworkers or, or right. extended family or friends even, sometimes they don't know exactly what to say. And really, all you want to do is talk about that person. Mm-hmm. And your eyes light up when you talk about your loved one and you Absolutely. smile. And I think that... that um, so often we're so skittish about what to say. So that's what we also sometimes talk about in some workshops or, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay to bring up that person's name again Absolutely. and to let them share a story about their loved one when they were having a great experience or a fun time together. Right. And that's healing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know from my work as a medium that mm-hmm. when we talk about our loved ones, mm-hmm. they come even closer. They really light up. Our loved ones light up mm-hmm. when we talk about them and it just creates a, more of a bond there. Mm-hmm. So it's, very healing to talk about them. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Now, you've got a new project. A new project, yes. Let's I have actually that. partnered with, there's a woman here in Kansas City by the name of Mindy Corcoran. Mm-hmm. And she's the one who lost her son, Reet, and dad, Bill, oh. in the Jewish Community Center shootings in April of 2014. Right. And specifically, um, they were murdered in front of the Jewish Community Center with a man who was intent on killing Jews that day. That's right. And it was awful, awful... Um, it's such a tragedy. Tragedy in here in Kansas City, yes. And Mindy has gone on to really make some beautiful things happen after that horrible tragedy. And she's developed That's the Faith right. Always Wins Foundation where one of her objectives is to educate people about different religions and different its interfaith workshops and, and really trying to promote love and yes. with the with the fact that love will conquer hate. And the other thing that um, she's working on is workplace healing. So what we've done is we've just in the last month have partnered on a new initiative called Workplace Healing. And what Wonder. this is is making the workplace a place for healing. And kind of what you and I were just talking about with people, mm-hmm. you know, uncomfortable talking about their loved ones. You know, when you go back to work and you only have maybe a three-day bereavement policy, and you go back and you're trying to get assimilated again in your work environment, you're changed. And as you know, 
people after any sort of trauma, it doesn't even have to be a death. It could be divorce. It could be a financial loss in a family. It could be illness, illnesses, a children's illness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be a whole a whole um, array of, of trauma or tragedy. And the workplace is often the place where people have to leave it in the parking lot. Right. And it's very unfortunate but it's we're trying to um, we don't want them to leave it in the parking lot, you know. So how can they bring their healing uh, opportunities into the workplace? Right. So what we're doing is we're developing workshops called the Hope Workshops, and mm-hmm. it's based on heart based healing. Stands for H. It stands for heart based healing in a head based world. Oh. And so basically, uh, providing healing opportunities that are heart based in an employee's um, work environment to help them heal from trauma and then giving them opportunities, whether it's role-playing and dialogue and what to say to someone. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who, his, um, he's in his 50s, his boss's husband committed suicide, and my friend had to Google, what should I say to my boss when she comes back to work? Well, you know, wow. even though they'd known each other, it's a very awkward situation. So right. we'll be helping people and teams provide healthy dialogues so that when they come back to work, it's a very um, open and uh, loving environment that you can share and talk. And, and now if there's someone that doesn't want to talk, that's fine too. Right. You know, but if someone does want to talk, that would help them on their healing journey. And there's been so many studies that uh, people that when they come back to work, you know, there's absenteeism and then there's mm-hmm. presenteeism, kind of the <laughs> new buzzword. So you can be present, but not really they're fully, you know, your whole self isn't there because Absolutely. you're still planning a funeral in your head or you're still thinking about your loved one in the hospital. Right. So how do you bring your whole self to work? Mm-hmm. So the HOPE workshops, we've got also P stands for um, personal fulfillment. There's so many times after a tragedy where a person really wants to realign their purpose in life. Right. Like a transformation. Mm-hmm. I wrote the exactly. book. Exactly. I mean, it's, right. It's, yeah, you, know, you have a new mission. You have right. a new mission. And if the workplace can be a place for a new mission, you know, we want to provide those opportunities there. Yes. And then do some E means employee train the trainer training. In other words, mm-hmm. helping the employee adapt to his new, his or her newfound purpose and really help them train for a trauma plan. So that's the the quick umbrella, you know, but I think that it's, um, it's an unmet need in corporate America to have heart-based healing. Now, how do you define heart-based healing as opposed to any other type of healing? It's more focused on the individual and their Mm -hmm. hope and their journey of hope. It's not a, um, for example, a scheduled, um, uh, counseling event in the conference room. It's more of working with the employees team Mm -hmm. to, help them heal their immediate group at at work. And if they're interested in um, hearing more about uh, dreams and signs and that kind of thing, of course that can be part of the component. And if they're not, that's okay too. You know, so whatever their needs are, we want to go in to really make sure that their whole self is there. And what does whole self mean? You know, what what does that mean? It means being able to not have to go to the parking lot to cry, but rather yes. having an opportunity at work where you've got you can escape your cubicle and there's a quiet room or there's meditations. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's a lunch uh, meditation going on or an awareness right. workshop. It's those those are the uh, I think the differentiating factors from simply counselors on board, which is a great uh, which is resource. Great, right? But, but it's also going to be more 
I think mindfulness and awareness mm-hmm. too. Oh, that's wonderful. And you know, we think of, of of healing and these conversations, these difficult conversations with friends. Yes. With family, uh-huh. with neighbors. You know, neighbors support each other in that way. But we don't often think of it in the workplace. Right. But we see our <laughs> our coworkers more than we see our family. Oftentimes, exactly. And we're another type of family. And for some people, spend a third of their lives at work. Right. A third of that their lives. That is amazing. And so it's important. To how can we make that part of our lives also healing? Absolutely. Because, you know, we can't just plan on healing at home. No. We've got to be, and if that person is feeling um, supported mm-hmm. in the workplace, and um, if they're, that person is feeling like there is an initiative from my company to help me heal, then that's going to help that person obviously find a higher level of joy during the day, which, of course, from a CEO perspective leads to more right. productivity. Right. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Not to monetize it, but but that's, that's the, the corporate line. objective. It is. So it's still in the planning stages, but um, we'll kind of stay tuned to yes. see how everything unfolds and and how it all comes together. Well, it's certainly very much a heart based mission, and I yes. love one, and one that's very very needed. Um, do you feel like was it Sheryl Sandberg's book? Yeah, she that, had written a book about mm-hmm. her experience. You know, she's uh, with Facebook, obviously, right. and, and her husband died tragically on a treadmill when they were on a, uh, I think it was in Mexico for a birthday right. event, and she basically coined, and I love this expression, the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, when she went back to work, and and no one could talk about her husband. They right. felt so uncomfortable, and then they didn't want to talk about their own husbands or their own family or their own children. And she had so many worries about raising her kids without a father. And her work uh, is called Option B. And it's about finding support, option B. Option A wasn't available, so she had to go to option B, Mm -hmm. which is a great uh, way to look at it. Um, And her book is very data-driven, and it's got a lot of important facts on how to build resilience uh, in the workplace. But ours will be more what I call... um, more of a heart-based approach in the actual uh, team environment mm-hmm. instead of outside workshops on resilience. Right, right. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, now, I'm thinking, you know, someone is returning to work after, you know, a tragic mm-hmm. um, tragic incident and they've lost somebody, and it's, it's very difficult to return to hope. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you feel is the most healing, the most transformative to someone when they're going through this grief journey to move into hope? Or is it different for everybody? For everybody? I think in a way it is different for everyone. Right. Because I think people have different levels of what they've experienced mm-hmm. and what they already understand. Um, I think the goal is to go from grief to hope. Right. Um, I think that we all go through our grief journeys and some are... It's the rest of their lives, really, in a different sort of um, volume. Sometimes it's turned up. Sometimes it's turned really low. But I think that uh, when you personally, when you can realize that, yes, indeed, my loved one is still around. Mm -hmm. And yes, indeed, there's more to my life than what I can see and touch and feel then that's such a big component of helping people find hope, to know that they're not alone. Yes. And it's it's really across all religions. I don't see it as being any sort of particularly religious message. Mm-hmm. I think um, the notion of, of finding hope after a trauma is really across any um, 
any religion, you know, in terms of... It really of, is. Yeah. It's, uni- it's so it's universal. universal. Yes. yes, so universal. But I do think that everyone's everyone's journey is different. And that's mm-hmm. the other thing, too, that I think is important when you look at grief in the workplace mm-hmm. is that it's very... Most of the approaches I've seen are very uh, cookie-cutter in terms of how a um, trauma plan is developed or how a plan is implemented in the workplace when you have some sort of an employee has gone through some sort of tragedy. But I think personalizing and making a program very tailored and individualized for a particular situation is also what will help bring success to that initiative. Good, because each trauma is different. Sure. And each person's grief journey is different. Right, right. Right, and we all react to it very differently according to our filters and according to how we were brought up. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's um, every person's journey is going to be different. And I always find that there is no time limit to your right. grief journey, right? Nor can we expect to set any. I, is that part of the? I think program? so too, because I think when people start putting linear timelines, absolutely. Number one, it stresses them out mm-hmm. <laughs> because they think, "Gosh, I should be further along." Right. And and there really is no timeline for grief. And But one of the worst things that someone can say in the workplace is, well, take as long as you need off. Well, that doesn't help me get my job done, though. So right. it needs to be like, you know, if you're, for example, working in a corporate environment and you need to take as much time as you need to, to meet the needs of your personal situation, mm-hmm. um, really about the worst thing your boss can say to you is take as much time as you need. What they what should be said is, okay, you're going to be gone, and now Sally's doing this, Joe's doing that, John's doing that, and Phil's doing this, and this is how we've reprioritized your month mm-hmm. so that you don't have to really worry. And that's I think, just it. And that's it, you know, because right. we still do have work to do, mm-hmm. but how can we accomplish those objectives with true help from your team? And sometimes it takes someone coming in from the outside to shed that light. Because people have good hearts. They mean well. Of course. But they don't know exactly how to deal with it, especially when they're uncomfortable talking about death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to top it all off. You know, yeah, it's such absolutely. a taboo topic in our society. And and so it's almost like let's... Um, uh, when Mindy and I will go into a corporation, you know, we'll we'll do the dirty work. We'll talk about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll talk about what needs to be talked about and then help them reprioritize and, again, help them realize that there is no timeline. There is no timeline. And we could be fine a few weeks from now and mm-hmm. then have a few bad days where it's really rough. Right. Anniversaries, um, certain triggers right. can set us, you know, back down the path again. Right. So we have to understand <clears throat> that... Just because it's been a certain amount of time, we seem to be feeling better, we still need to give ourselves that grace. Yes, and letting your boss know that, for example, the phenomenon of foggy brain is Mm -hmm. scientific. It's proven, it's physical, Mm -hmm. and it does happen to people. And Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's important to let those supervisors or whatever the case may be in their organization know that um, it, there is no timeline, exactly what you just said, mm-hmm. and a trigger, an anniversary, or you know anything could could really that person could could have some problems. And setback. how do you identify that? How do you bring the awareness right. up in the workplace that hey, we've you know we want to extend our heart here? Right. Is it a bad day or is it grief? Yeah. 
right? And even the person going through it may not quite understand. But if we can all have that sensitivity. Sensitivity, that's very good. And I do believe that we all do need to have more sensitivity about everyone around us anyway. Mm -hmm. And more emotional intelligence and Mm -hmm. just that the social cues to understand when somebody's really having a hard time and what we can do to support them. Right. I think it is so important on anybody's journey, whether it's death or any other type of trauma in in people's lives, just having the grace to be sympathetic, empathetic, and Mm -hmm. supportive. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just applaud your mission. It's wonderful. It's still in the planning stages. Of course. So um, as I talk about it, I get more ideas. (laughs) Of course you do. (laughs) Well, and your mission of the book and the workshops that you do um, on your own and that we do together, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's all part of the the greater mission of traveling from grief into hope yeah right how did you know when you had made that transition into hope I think um I think that the writing Mm -hmm. I mean I always tell people too in workshops I think a healing technique is to write Mm -hmm. and the more I started writing and explaining what was going on when people would ask well you know I'm sorry to hear about your mother I'm sorry to hear about your father and I would start telling them what was going on and I even myself I'm sure my energy and my um, vibrations of energy went up because I thought, wow, I am, I am sharing these stories mm-hmm. of what's, what, which are examples of how love never dies, and I immediately became hopeful. So I think that for me, I needed to experience it mm-hmm. and be able to share it, and I share it with such passion and hope that I'm, my mission, of course, is to let have, share that passion so that other, other people feel it as well. Right. But I think for me, it was honestly pretty quick because I once I started writing it down and putting it together, I said, I I'm, I'm, have no doubts. Right. There was just no doubt in my mind that um, in my personal situation with my mom and now my dad, I thought there's just no doubt in my mind that they're not here. Well, and let, let <clears> us <throat> stress that you were not that type of uh, believer beforehand. Right, right. I you, always consider myself into... open, but not right. particularly... Um, I hadn't experienced anything like this before. Exactly. So, and I yeah. think the experience part is what sets it apart. Absolutely. And I do believe that everybody has their I, own experience. Yes, yes. And it doesn't Well, and the interesting crazy. thing mm-hmm. is when I'll be we're doing a workshop, as you know, we're doing a talk together uh, um, when we do our Love Never Dies talks, and right. then people start sharing their personal stories, oh, and you cannot make it up. I mean, the things that happened... Uh, to so many people, whether it's flowers blooming that have never bloomed, that are dead, or, or you know, mm-hmm. unusual animal behaviors. There's one woman who has an owl that the owl sits on her picnic table in, in Overland Park at high noon when she babysits her son's kids. So unusual animal behaviors and, and uh, numbers and sequences. And Absolutely. so many things happen that um, you really cannot make it up. You can't. <laughs> and we just have to keep not only our eyes, our eyes, our minds, our hearts, mm-hmm. all the senses open yeah. to all these things going around us. Right. You know, and then we, I think we can all be believers at that yeah. point. Right. And know that there's so much more than us. Oh, my gosh. There's so much more than us. And mm-hmm. they really do want us to know that. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. Love your mission. Love Thank your you. book. Thank love the you. workshops and everything. Yeah. Will you hold up the, the book? Uh, love. It's uh, You Are My Voice by Lisa Colias Cooper. Um, How Love's Voice Never Dies. That's and right. 
What is your website? It's lisakcooper.com. Okay. www.lisak, just the middle initial K, cooper.com. And the reason I have the K is um, my maiden name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, So I thought my words and, and my stories and my book is about my parents, so, or my mother in particular, and also my father. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I incorporated the K to it. So lisakcooper.com. And, and just incidentally, the reason I did the shell, yes. shortly after my mother passed away, um, it wasn't really a dream, and it wasn't really a sign, but I truly heard her voice, and I had to say to myself, Lisa, are you going crazy? I wasn't. <laughs> and so I truly heard her voice articulate how her death was almost like a shell. When I was growing up, we used to go to Florida and pick up shells. Right. And so we would then we'd bring the shells back to Kansas City and wash them and put them in jars. And so after she died, um, the notion was, you know, my body was like that shell that we used to bring home from Florida to the Midwest, and we'd hold it up to our ears back in Kansas City, and we could still hear the waves from Florida. And her metaphor for me was that even though I'm not in my physical shell anymore, my body anymore, you can still hear the sound, you can still hear me if you open your heart and listen. Oh, I love that. So that was my shell metaphor for for the cover right. of the book. We just have to open our hearts and listen. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, right. And so we can get the book um, on your website. Yes, lisakcooper.com website or other on Amazon as on well. On Amazon too. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, super. Lisa, thank you well, so thank you. much for being here today. Thank you. This has been really great to talk about uh, transitioning from grief into hope and that is that there are resources out there yes. for people. And Absolutely. I love what you're bringing to the workplace, bringing to the world this message. Thank important. you. Thank you. Thank you. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. I'm Laura Worcester, host of the Intuitive Life Podcast. As an intuitive medium and teacher working with the world of spirit, I love to share the peace that comes with the awareness that our departed loved ones are still with us. And I also love to help people explore what it means to live an intuitively led life. Start listening now on mindbodyspirit.fm or wherever you get your podcasts.